We are uh, taking these first four Sundays um, here, these present four Sundays. This is week two out of four um, to kind of gather around this campfire. This is kind of the sense of the idea of what's going on. Um, because uh, what's really happening here in these four weeks, these are not normal. If, if you're new here, this isn't usually what goes down here um, in this. And I'm not all that funky of a guy with things. Um, but we're kind of having some time as a church family uh, because of what we see ahead and the things even as leadership and pastors and elders we've been working on. And uh, we're really, our eyes are on the future and we're headed there. And so we're in a process of using these four weeks and this whole year as a preparation year for what I've already so far termed as Mount Forward and what's going on. And I do love these kinds of times. It's kind of like a family chat. It's, I remember as a teenager, I used to go out to Colorado uh, pretty much every Sunday for a couple of weeks and at, at a camp and then uh, mountain camp and just literally out away for two weeks hiking and rappelling and just all the stuff a boy at that age loved to do and I still love to do. And I even then remember that at the end of the day of our hike or whatever's going on, it was just kind of the normal pattern was in the evening we gather around the fire and we talk about the day. And a lot of that was used as time to talk scripture and uh, have some teaching time. It was also used just to encourage one another in that and learning to do that as teenage boys, <laughs> not always the, the strength there and growing in that and there's just something about this. It just You just chill. And uh, it allows you to ponder, allows you to think, allows you to look back on the day or the period of time. It allows you to dream forward. And here's the key word right now with these four weeks. It's a time to align together. And that's really the word that we're wanting to take place. And we're using these four weeks to align as a church family and uh, for what's ahead. Um, we're aligning around our core. Uh, that word core is used in the physical arena of our body, your core, which all of us are strong in our core, right? <laughs> Not. Let me read what uh, some physical therapists say about the core. Core exercises train the muscles in your pelvis, your lower back, your hips, and abdomen to work in harmony. A weak or inflexible core saps the power from how well the rest of your body functions. Building up your core cranks up the power and enhances balance and stability. I love that. Cranks up the power. And then last sentence, a strong, flexible core underpins almost everything you do as it is the body's foundation for all other movements. And that's why we, as we sat around talking about just with what's been taking place and planning and thinking over the last six, eight months and bringing you up to speed and as a church body with where we're at, we want to use this as a time to build the core because everything else functions off of this. And so last Sunday, we talked about our core purpose a core purpose, it's our core mission. Uh, commonly called in business and organizations, it's the mission statement. It's what you're about. It's like, say it in a sentence, and that's what it is. 
And last Sunday was just aligning around a new core mission statement. And that is what you see on the screen. In fact, did you say it with me? Uh, all right, ready? Uh, here at Radiant Church, we are about pointing. Man, I love that. As time is going on, I'm seriously, I'm loving it more and more. It's descriptive. It's, uh, it's inviting. It's invigorating. Uh, by the way, your, your core mission is the star on the horizon that you're headed to. You, you are heading to that. And the fact is, is though you never reach it. Where are you going? There. Uh, same today as yesterday? Yep, there. Still going there. And that means that this year and next year and in like 10 years from now and in 50 years from now and in 100 years from now, maybe if it's reworded, it's the same idea. What are you about? We are about pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. Pointing, by the way, pointing as we talked last week, it's not about directing. It's not about telling people where to go. It's, it's answering a question. Hey, where are you guys going? We're going there. That's where we're going. Oh, by the way, come join us. As we go, join us. We're, we're headed there. Uh, pointing all people. It's not certain people. It's not people just like ourselves. It's, it's how many people? All people. And we're not uh, pointing them to nothing. We're pointing them to something. And that is a passionate pursuit. Um, we're not into ho-hum, uh, everyday Christianity. I, I just tell you, we're just not wanting to be about that. If, if you're about ho-hum Christianity, I'm glad you're here. We want to pump you up. That goes back. The younger ones don't know what I'm talking about. That's okay. Uh, pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of who? Of who? Radiant God. Someone a while ago said, you know what? Maybe a young way of saying that is to the rad God. Okay. I don't fit that, but that's the idea. Hey friends, our God is awesome. Absolutely crazy, amazing, awesome. And we get excited about that. And he is near. And because he is near, we get to lean into him. And that's what we want to do. Increasingly so, all of us together as a people, as a church, posted on our building, that's where we're headed. Pointing all people to passionate pursuit of the radiant God. That's our core mission. Today, I want to talk with you about our core values. Core values. A question that comes off of your core mission is, is okay, that's where you're headed. Um, let me try and put it in some illustration here. Uh, okay, if that's where you're headed, in what manner are you headed there? Like if you were to put two, three, four, five descriptives on how you are going after that, the manner in which you are, the kind of people you are. Like, don't tell me the specifics of what you're doing. I want to know the manner in which you are pursuing after your radiant God. Uh, can you give me some descriptions on that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because that's what today is about. Uh, I would say it this way. We have four core values 
that I want to introduce you to them. And I realize these four weeks are all about introducing ourselves to some things that we are praying will become part of our DNA and who we are. Four core values. Um, in these core values, these are, we could say it, these are the banners we fly, reminding us of who we are. Flags commonly have a story to them. There's a United States flag. It has reasons for the stripes. It has reasons for the stars. Flags contain meaning. And these four flags, our values, are kind of the ones we carry along as we go. They're helpful descriptors of the manner in which we have summed up the kind of people we want to be as we are pursuing our mission. But here's an important thing. It's not just about waving the flag. It's one thing to say it. It's one thing to wave it. It's something different to bleed it. I think you know what I mean by that term. It's, it's not just carrying a flag along and good with that. It's the flags are being carried along to remind us so that the flags become us. And it ends up infusing in us. And we bleed that. Now, um, you've probably had a blood draw before. I uh, actually... Uh, once, at least twice a year, have blood draws. I have type 4 hyperlipidemia. It sounds like I'm on the deathbed, but no, it's, I'm good, but it'll probably take me out one day. Um, it's just my body does not filter fat in the blood, and so I have to keep track of that. I also have in my family history, I don't know what your issue is and what your family history is, but we have prostate cancer. All the Helmer boys have prostate cancer, and so it's just kind of like part of the team. Um, and so I keep check on that and where's, where it's at. I can, uh, when I have my blood draw for that, usually Karen and I will be like, so what do you think your counts are going to be? Uh, so Doug, what do you think your triglycerides are going to be? When I first found out there were 1,500, anything over 200 is a problem. So like I nailed that one. <laughs> um, and, and so in it, I, I have never been under 200. I'm just trying to be as close as possible. And so in it, um, I'm always pumping fat. Um, so in it, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, what are your counts? Um, I can hope and I can say what I think it might be, but I don't know till I get the draw. Because just me thinking it, just me saying what I wish it was, what really is comes out in the blood draw. Uh, let's say it this way. Our core values are what we're stating out show on the blood draw lab report for us. More on that later. Let me take you to our four core values. You ready? Awesome. Core value number one, intensely vertical. Intensely vertical. We desire to be a people that is intensely vertical. Not casually, but what? This one is first for a reason. Uh, we want to be a people that is passionate in our pursuit of the radiant God. And said another way, as the value is, 
We want to be an intensely vertical people. If you would uh, please turn to uh, Psalm 96. Psalm 96. As you're turning there, a couple passages that uh, just come to mind on this. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Huh. I mean, it's interesting how Paul puts that down. He gets down to the nitty gritty just so we get the real idea. Like what you eat, what you drink, should be a God-glorifying thing. Oh, and then he adds in there, whatever you do. Whatever we do. We have this tendency of sectoring off moments of God-giving glory. Instead, Scripture gives us this clear idea that all of life, every moment, every nanosecond, every event, everything, at home, at work, at school, in glorious moments, in fussing moments, all moments are opportunities to raise the flag of intensely vertical for God's glory. I think of Revelation 4, right now in the heavenlies. The living creatures, the 24 presbyteros, as the scripture talks about, they are around the throne and they are there 24-7. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And laying crowns down. And, and, and they never get bored. Because God, every nanosecond, is so grabbing their attention and so blowing their minds away that these heavenly creatures, created heavenly creatures, cannot stop giving glory to God. I mean, when you would think, like, it's time for a bathroom break, or like, let's have a snack, or like, let's take a, can we have, like, do something else? They're like, no. There is no better place than right here. Oh, my goodness, friends. That and us in some increasing way. And then we come to a psalm like Psalm 96, and I think just describes it intensely vertical. I'm going to read the whole psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For you see, great is the Lord, and greatly is he to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. For splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. O peoples, ascribe to the Lord. O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering, come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest join in and sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his 
faithfulness. Man, friends, that is vertical. There is a God, and that is intense. Thought, vastness, beauty, song, declaration, adoration. Intensely vertical. A passionate pursuit of the radiant God. Intensely vertical. The world is tired of ho-hum Christianity. And the Lord Jesus says, he would rather you be hot or cold but lukewarm is nauseating. Revelation 3. If sometimes if you come in here and you're like, man, those people are a little bit too like over, over this or in this, I just want you to know, awesome. Awesome. This isn't about a sprint. It's about a marathon. Marathon of intensely vertical. More of that in us. Amen? That's one of the flags that we wave. That's one of the markers on the lab report that we want to see measured. Two, core value number two, foundationally scriptural. We desire to be a foundationally scriptural people. If you would turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. You go to Revelation, turn a few pages back. It's page 957 if you're using one of the Bibles behind the seats there. 957. As you're turning there, foundationally scriptural. Hey, question. How did Adam and Eve know that they were supposed to fill and subdue the earth? Answer. God spoke to them. Question. How did Noah know that he was to build an archiarchy? And that there was to be a whole bunch of rain coming? Answer, the Lord told him. How did Abraham and Sarah know that they were supposed to pack up and move? The Lord asked them to. How did Moses know that he was supposed to go in and redeem Hebrew slaves out of Egypt? God showed up and told him. How did the Israelites, who were taken out of Egypt, how did they know how they were supposed to live for their God? God told them. God had conversations with them. In fact, God even wrote some of it in rock. How did Joshua know that he was supposed to, after Moses' death, now go into Canaan and take the land. God told him. How did Baron Hannah know that she was going to have a baby? God told her. How did David know that he was going to be king of Israel? How did Hosea know that he was supposed to go and marry Gomer? Bless her heart with that name, huh? 
How did Zachariah and Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary know that they were going to have baby boys that were going to play a unique role in all of redemptive history? Answer, God spoke to them. How did Peter know that he needed to grow past his racism with the Gentiles? Answer, God had a picnic with him. Go read it. And told him. Hey, how do you and I know who God is? How do you and I know who we are before God? How do you and I know what God has done? How do you and I know how this whole thing got started and where it went wrong? Oh, and how do you and I know where this is all headed? God has spoken. I'm hitting this subject because I think in this day and age, we have lost a sense of what we have. It's a book. No, these are God's words. In fact, let me prove that. Second Peter, let me begin verse, chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and God. Well, now you, all things to life and God. I want in on that. Tell me, tell me, what is that? He has given us all things to pertain to life and God. Oh, tell me, Lord, through the knowledge of him, okay, uh, who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and great promises. Do you know this is not just a book and this is not just God's words in a book. This is actually everything that you and I need for life and godliness. Everything. God said that. And yet, oh, how we go fishing for other wisdom. And yet, oh, how we think our own wisdom is the superior wisdom. And yet God has said, this is it. This is where it's at. In fact, the end of chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For no prophecy is ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, one other passage may be familiar to it. Turn to the left a few pages to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God. I heard someone say once that uh, what it means is, is God's spit is all over it. That's how close and what it means. <sighs> That's God's words. All scriptures God breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God, that the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Every good work. How many good works? Oh, by the way, Second Peter said, we have given us everything we need for life and godliness. Friends, we just don't need anything else other than this. I am grateful for writers. I am grateful for speakers. I am grateful for all of that. I am not saying they are useless, but know this, there is a difference between God's words and anyone else's words, including my words. And that's why Paul even told the Bereans, go home and check out what I say to make sure it's on. Foundationally, 
scriptural. Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord. Job 33.8, surely you have spoken in my ears and I've heard the sound of your words. And here's a kicker. Deuteronomy 32.47, they are not idle words for you. They are your life. That's a high call. These aren't doodling words. These aren't piddling words. These aren't interesting words. These aren't, well, let's consider them words. These are God's words. They are our life. And I think we can all agree, we can grow in that, can't we? But let it be known and let it be flown. Intensely vertical, foundationally scriptural. And third, we desire to be deeply relational. Please turn to 1 Thessalonians 2.8. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, page 927. As I'm turning there, a couple other passages come to mind. Deeply relational. Genesis 3. And the Lord was walking in the Garden of Eden. That's close. And by the way, that statement right there says God is deeply relational with his creation. Deeply relational. Matthew 1, and you will name him Emmanuel, God with us. That's deeply relational. Mark 1, 17, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus didn't say, you know, get my podcast. He didn't say, you know, uh, sign up for class. Nothing's wrong with either of those. I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not mad about that. That's not the point here. But I am saying this. Jesus said, come follow me. Be with me. I mean, the second person of the Trinity, boots on the ground, and he's like, with me. Come. Come. And don't just come once, come follow me. There is clearly in scripture this intensely vertical reality that's carried out in a deeply relational fashion. I even think of John 11. Jesus, he's outside of the whole scene of, tells us he's coming to the whole Lazarus scene. Lazarus has died at the moment. He's outside and he's walking towards it and he looks over and it says that he wept. You know, that verse, the two-word verse that everybody's memorized. Jesus wept. Man, that is crazy relational. I actually think, you go, you, go, you read it, John 11. And he's coming. I think he sees the whole scene of the wailing of people and the crying and the death and all what's going on. And I think in it all, he sees it. And he aches. And he aches for us. We're so short-sighted. And there's hope. And so he weeps. I mean, that's relational, friends, isn't it? That's loving. And then we come to 1 Thessalonians. Paul 
had gone to Thessalonica. He had to hightail it out of Thessalonica, the middle of the night. And he's writing back to them later. There were some concerns whether Paul was kind of like a carnival ministry guy, just in for the money. And so part of this is he's defending how he did ministry. In chapter 1, he just notes, look at how, speaking of deeply relational, verse 2, chapter 1, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering for our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. I mean, that's just sweet. Down to chapter 2, verse 5. Deeply relational. For we never came with words of flattery. You can almost insert in there, like many others in the day were. As you know, nor with a pretext of greed, as many in that day were. God is our witness to that. And then go up to verse 5. Or I'm sorry, uh, verse 8. 7. I'll get it. Verse 7. But we were gentle among you. Like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Um, by the way, that is deeply relational. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well, because you'd become so dear to us. 20-some years ago, Karen and I kind of made this our life verse. I think it's a fascinating verse, verse 8. You see, Paul says, we loved you so much. By the way, that statement precedes him saying, we loved you so much that we're delighted to share with you. The statement of loving them so much preceded them even coming to them. By the way, Paul had never been there before. Paul is making a statement that we loved you before we were even there. We loved you before we even met you. Why would he say that? Because Paul and his ministry team had a view of people that they're created in the image of God. And though I don't even know you, I love you. Because God has created you, Psalm 139. We'll be studying that later this year. Uniquely and amazingly. And every person matters. And so just because of that fact, we're coming. Because we love people. Boy, in this day and age, friends, we got mad going around. Have you noticed that? There is a pandemic of mad. And Paul's like, I love people. And today we got people mad at people who are mad at people who are mad at people. That's not deeply relational. Deeply relational is founded on the idea of, we love you. I don't care if you're like me. I don't care if you're in the same place as me. I don't care if you're younger than me or older than me. I just know this. You are created in the image of God, and God loves you, and therefore, my goodness, I love you too. And then he says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you. This is fascinating. Not only the gospel of God. 
That is an amazing statement by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is saying, I did not just share with you the gospel. What else did he share with them? You tell me. His life. Hey, friends, those are the two ministry tools. That's it. The gospel and your life. Oh, and a love for people. And then Paul, at the end of the verse, uh, sorry, we loved you so much, delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. He went in loving them, not even knowing them, and knowing that out of that, people become dear to you when you share your life and the gospel. I could go on and on and on, trust me, on this one. And friends, I entered into ministry in great part because frankly, I was tired of ministry that was one or the other. That was either all gospel, all gospel, all gospel, and you're like, I can't believe you're saying it was only that. Yeah, because that's not the way Jesus did it and that's not the way Paul did it. It was both, the gospel and the life. And some churches and some ministry, it's just life, 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 life. It's horizontal, horizontal, horizontal. I'm out with that. That's a club. Deeply relational is about the gospel and sharing our lives. And part of the reason I'm as transparent as I am is because I'm tired of all that baloney of not sharing life and people being fakes. I'm out with it. So I'm a broken dude. I don't have my act all together. Ask my wife. And I want to do life with people who are real. And we want to do life with people who are real. If you're in this for a game, you're going to get a shock. Because we're about real life. Deeply with the Lord, deeply with one another. You got junk, you're in the right place. Welcome to the junkyard. What's the first core value? Second core value? Third core value? Fourth core value? Genuinely authentic. Kind of touched into some of that because my passion just flows out of first. That's too hate. Genuinely authentic. Romans 12, 9. Let love be genuine. That's, an, that's a fascinating statement because it can mean love cannot be genuine. The fact that it says let love be genuine means that love can be not genuine. No, let love be genuine. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You got junk that's been forgiven by the Lord? Man, I want to be around that group. genuine together. We don't come to the Lord fake and live in the Lord fake. We come to the Lord real and we live in the Lord authentic. Genuinely so. I think of John 3 with Nicodemus and Jesus having a conversation in the middle of the night with him and genuinely authentic. 
I think of Jesus, John 4, having a conversation with a woman at the well. How genuinely authentic is that? I think of Gethsemane, Matthew 26. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity who knows what all is going on and what's taking place. He knows he's going to be going to the cross. And yet in Gethsemane, you want to be real about it, God in the flesh to the Father. Um, Can we rethink the program? I mean, how authentic is that? It is like, oh. Father, is there any way you can take this away? No. No, I love these people. We love these people. You want to know genuinely authentic, a picture of Christ hanging on the cross. That's real. Ripped apart, gutted out. Oh, by the way, sorry, but hanging naked on the cross as well. That's what happened. That is not only deeply relational, that is genuinely authentic. Amazing. Awesome, isn't it? That our God would do that for broken people like you and me. A great great way to respond to that would be, yeah, let's be deeply relational and let's also be genuinely authentic. And I'll just note, God's word contains a whole lot of authenticity in it. I mean, it told about Adam and Eve and their brokenness. I mean, can you imagine being David? We we studied the life of David here this last year. Boy, there's some awesome moments in David's life. And there's some not so awesome moments in David's life. And your junk being recorded in the annals of scripture. I wouldn't want that. But his is. Why would God do that? Why would God tell us that we are broken to the core? That no one does good, no, not even one, Romans 3. Why would God say that? Not to crush us, but because he loves us. Because if we don't understand our condition, we don't understand what we need. And God in his word is deeply relational and genuinely authentic. And we want to be similar. We believe the Lord would be pleased with that. We believe the Lord would be very pleased with that. There is a host of ways the church can word its core values. For us, these are our four. These are kind of the banners that we're going to fly as we're headed to the horizon of pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. As I look at these four this week, it hit me. They're about three things. They're about God, his word, and people. That's the right core. Those are the right values. Yeah. Hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment of all the scripture? Love God, love others. And by the way, we're reading that out of his word. 
As for living them, they demand a desire for depth. If you're at a place where you're just figuring things out, we love that you're here. We're figuring them out as well. We're figuring them out in the kind of a way we want to go deeper and we want to go deeper together. But it it demands a desire for depth for these. They will not happen without intentionality. Just because we say them doesn't mean that they are. And that's why we're posting them. And that's why we want to fly them. And that's why we want to bleed them. Third, they are first and foremost lived, not programmed. We're a spreadsheet program people. So awesome, Doug. So what are you guys going to do now? What's the programs? I'm not revealing any programs next week or the week after. I'm not anti-program. I'm just saying this isn't about programs. At the core of it, it's about being. And we're going to be adding some things and doing some things, no question about it. But at the core of this, this is about who we are to be. These are Holy Spirit dependent. If we think, let's just amp ourselves up and make these happen, we're fools. These will not happen if we are not dependent upon the Spirit of God to do a work in us, around us, and among us. Oh, Spirit of God, do a work. And they start with you and me. Well, I thought you just said, it depends on the Spirit. Yeah, but we partner with. Face down. God, do a work like we've never seen before. Those are the flags we want to fly as we pursue, pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. Um, finish with this. We fly those flags, but understand that we fly them, just flying them is not them being lived. We want to live them. We fly them to remind ourselves because we want to bleed them. I've already made reference to a, a blood draw in a lab report. Fact of the matter is, is in time and years as we move along with this, we're actually going to take some blood draws as a church. And we're going to just kind of see how are we doing in some areas. And one of the things about that is you need to know the areas that you're looking at doing the blood draw with. Uh, When I get my lab report back, I know exactly what factors I'm looking at and what the ranges should be. And we're getting on the table what the lab report is for us as a church. And core number one on our lab report is, is how are we doing as a people, pointing all people to a passionate pursuit of the rad God? Secondly, there's this next section, core values. How are we doing at being, this is what we're pursuing. This is what we want to be. Let's go and let's continue for the Lord's glory. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you are doing, uh, how you are helping us. Uh, Clarity and alignment around that matters. We are a church family. And we want to be a church family that grows in our effectiveness, 
in our love, in our adoration, in our pointing all people, in our intensely vertical, in our foundationally scriptural, in our deeply relational, in our genuinely authentic. God, now that we have those, I just pray we would fly those in our small groups. We'd fly it in the lobby. We'd fly it in here. We'd fly it in kids' ministries. We'd fly it in student ministries. We'd fly it as we sing. We'd fly it in our homes. We'd fly it, and out of that flying, we would live it. Increasingly so. You're an awesome God. Go before us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.